Chapter number nineteen of Nan Sherwood at Lakeview Hall. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Linda Marie Nielsen, Vancouver, BC. Nan Sherwood at Lakeview Hall by Annie Rowe Carr. Chapter nineteen some fun and something else did they never study or work was it all fun and adventure at lakeview hall no no indeed there was plenty of work and nan sherwood with bess hartley and her other friends said they were actually worked to death by some of the teachers for the very reason that they did do so much their minds in hours of relaxation turned to such frolics as this one planned at the haunted boathouse mademoiselle loro was a little dried winter-leaf frenchwoman as quick and active as a cat and with bead-like black eyes more like a bird's than those of a human being mademoiselle loro fairly slaved to make stubborn and careless girls attain a parisian accent and about all we get from the poor old dear laura said is a paris kentucky accent and an ability to shrug our shoulders goodness she's got me doing that too as for the german teacher frau dusseldorf she was of a different type entirely a tall formidable looking woman was frau dusseldorf with a magnificent air no waistline and a wart on her nose nan whenever she stood before the good lady never could see anything of the teacher's face save that unfortunate blemish perhaps the teacher whom the girls as a whole disliked the most was professor krenner he was a marionette in mathematics whereas nan found him a most lovable and delightful instructor in architectural drawing it finally became a regular practice for the architectural drawing class to attend the professor's lecture at his own cabin one afternoon a week and these afternoons were most delightfully spent nan did not go alone she had interested in the study another girl and oddly enough that was procrastination boggs amelia boggs from walhugen was certainly peculiar but nan had learned to like her very quickly amelia told nan all about the clocks and watches her father owned a store in walhugen which had been left to a jeweler and a clock dealer mr boggs could not collect its rent and amelia undertook to do so the clock dealer had no money but he offered to pay his rent out of his stock in trade i took him up on that for pop was too easy exclaimed amelia and i went through his shop looked at the price tags and picked out enough clocks and watches to fill a wheelbarrow my brother johnny wheeled em home we sold some and i expected to sell some of these i brought with me but the girls think it's such a joke i'll never be able to get rid of em 
Never mind, it only makes them laugh. So where's the harm? That they laughed at her and her peculiarities did not bother Amelia. With Nan and her friends, the girl from Wahegan was happy, and if she did not get along very fast in some of her studies, it was not so serious a matter. Amelia was delighted to get down into the kitchen. She had bribed the cook with a clock, and there she concocted little dishes, some of which found their way to Dr. Prescott's table. Mercy on us, said the preceptress, laughing. Amelia will have me start a course in domestic science, and that is not what their parents have sent these girls to my school for. However, once enlisted in the cause of Nan's banquet in the haunted boathouse, Amelia Boggs became very helpful. It was she who borrowed tablecloths and napkins from the cook for use at the feast. Henry kept the door of the unused part of the boathouse locked, only to be opened when Nan and Bess and Amelia went there to make final preparations for the banquet on the afternoon of the day selected. They laid the claws, trimmed and filled the hanging lamp, and laid the fire ready to light. Then the key of the door was entrusted to Walter Mason, and he ran around into Freeling Port in his motorboat just before supper. Nan thought Linda Riggs and Cora Courtney had been lingering about the boathouse, listening and peeping, but she did not suspect these girls. But she did not suspect these girls, disagreeable and objectionable as they were, would be mean enough to tell any teacher about the proposed banquet. I suppose they are only wondering if we are to have a finer spread than they will have at their banquet, Nan said to Bess. I just hate their snooping around so, grumbled Bess. Soon after supper, Walter telephoned to his sister from their own house that all was well. He had delivered the goods at the boathouse and, with the help of the mason's gardener, had carried everything into the unused part of the building, as agreed. The key had been left in a secret corner known only to himself and Nan, and he wished the girls good luck. Nan and her friends were all excitement that evening. Not much preparation was made for the following day's tasks. Had Mrs. Cupp not been very busy about her own affairs, she would surely have noticed that some of her charges were in a great flutter. Miss Sandy Vane, Mrs. Cupp's sister, had come to see her on this evening, and in great excitement again. As soon as the matron was relieved of her supper duties, she put on her wraps and left for the village with Miss Vane. This relieved the minds of Nan and Bess, not a little. They ran down to the boathouse and found the key, but Bess utterly refused to go in without a light and without the other girls for company. Oh, all right, said Nan. I guess everything is safe, and all the girls are so afraid of the place after dark 
that if they could get in they would not dare the evening dragged by curfew rang and still mrs cupp did not return heavy-footed susan went up through the corridors and looked to the lowering of the lights then she returned and the older girls were left to themselves supposedly for the night when the cat's away the mice can play it was then figures stole out of certain rooms and along the corridors and down the stairs a rear door had been unchained one by one the softly flitting figures gathered in the back garden there was a wan moon to give them enough light to find the way to the foot of the bluff but it was a ghostly moon too and aided objects along the way in casting weird shadows may winslow clung close to nan and bess grace and lily made up the rest of the trembling group who looked to nan for comfort and support laura polk and procrastination boggs brought up a more or less courageous rear in between were girls in all stages of excitement from a state of hysterical fear to equally hysterical laughter they came finally to the foot of the long flight of stairs and nan marshalled her forces now girls pluck up your spirits close ranks forward march she commanded wa what's that quavered lily nevin oh oh from grace now you sawneys called the red-headed girl from the rear behave don't try to give us all a conniption fit what's that demanded one of the other girls huh are you seeing things too cried amelia no what kind of a fit is a conniption i don't know admitted laura but i've heard my grandmother from new england speak familiarly of them what's the matter up front oh lil and grace are balking declared nan with disgust do come on children i have an electric lamp we shan't be entirely in the dark i i saw something quavered the flaxen-haired lily oh gasped bess more than a little inclined herself to be panic-stricken do come along urged nan there it is squealed grace suddenly half the girls thought they saw the black figure dart around the corner of the building the other half were looking in an entirely different direction at the moment but altogether emitted a chorused oh for pity's sake girls gasped nan don't it's the ghost the black ghost quavered may winslow groveling in the very depths of superstition end of chapter 19 recording by linda marie nielsen vancouver bc